the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track today. Grab that registration with 40% off and download the app as you need. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Aaron Judge Wednesday morning. It's here. It's the Yankees. It's $40 million a year. It's nine years, $360 million. It totally railroads the conversation I was going to have with Cousin Dan, but it was going to be a baseball conversation at least. So we start with Aaron Judge and that gigantic contract and what it means and the ripple effect. And we go around the league with some of the more notable signings, some of the teams that have kind of sitting out of their hands, our favorite teams that'd be next in the big stakes, some trade options, plenty of baseball talk over the next hour with Dan, starting off with Aaron Judge returns to the New York Yankees. All right, Dan. We had plenty to talk about this morning, and it's all going to hell because we woke up to the news that Aaron Judge is returning to the Yankees on a nine-year, $360 million contract. Question number one, is this the best decision for baseball? Leave the money out of it. Just Aaron Judge returning to the Yankees. Um, it's, that's a tough question based on what lens you want to look at it through. Yep. Um, yep. how about the, just the I, business lens, right? The, the revenue lens. Well, I guess that even is complicated. Like, so from like a classical old timers perspective, I think there's a ton of value in having a superstar player, not change teams. It, at the peak of his, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of his popularity. It's becoming um, more rare all, as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, that that's one of the, the underrated things that was maybe not discussed about was his New York Yankee legacy. Like, he's probably already done enough um, t- to probably land in Monument Park, right? Or he's but, pretty close. So but I, on a personal level, right? Not on a team level. And, and I think that's bothered some people, right? I mean, last year was really all about his accolades because the team just didn't get it to the finish line. So you're probably right. Um, And he kind of carries this really quiet aura to him that probably puts him in the upper echelon of Yankees players all time. But this has to cement it, right? Just the contract alone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's going to probably finish his career now in New York. Um, And like even another couple seasons of, you know, four, five, six win, uh, sorry, war, you know, production, he's, he's going to be in, you know, in the yeah. the conversation as one of the prime Yankees of all time. So. Yeah, and by the way, last year was a 10 war, which is just insane. It's unheard of. Um, we don't really need to talk about the bet on yourself stuff. It's going to get beaten to death today. And rightfully so. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I, I just posted a tweet, Dan, April 7th, opening day, the Yankees offer was seven years, 213.5 million. December 7th today, <laughs> nine years, 360 million. I, you just don't see that. I get yelled at constantly for evaluating NFL players on a weekly basis and literally changing their market value because one game shouldn't do that. That's exactly what happened with Aaron Judge. When things go as well, right? I, I mean, to, to some degree, Jalen Hurts is having that kind of year where he was an abs- absolute afterthought last year. An absolute afterthought. I couldn't even evaluate the player. And now he's a $45 million quarterback. That's what's happening here with Aaron Judge. He was a an above average player that needed that one big year to really get himself to where he is today. And he, and he did it. And then some, so uh, do you have anything else to say on the, on the betting yourself stuff? Do you, do you think that this is an unbelievable surplus of contract or do you think this is just what's going to happen in this game for forever? (laughs) 
Well, this is definitely a once in a generation. I, well, I, maybe that's being a little dramatic, but we we talk about contract year performance mm-hmm. um, a lot of times. I, I think it's overblown when it hits, um, and it's uh, kind of uh, under discussed when it doesn't hit. Like we sort of just like push it aside when a, a guy in a contract year doesn't have a career year, but. Sometimes it does work out right where they have a career year. Not only did Aaron judge have a career year, he put up one of, if not the best season of all time in his contract year. Um, And like we had said, he was, he was going to be the premier free agent before the season, before he did any of this. Um, So like for him to be at the apex of his career here and put up that in a, in a season when the Yankees sort of backed him into a corner with their, you know, with their, preseason um disclosure mm-hmm. of what the contract offer was so like all these circumstances coming together I, like yeah it's sort of like a once in a in a lifetime it's situation definitely in lightning life. in a bottle man there's no question about it but can i can i give an angle that i've been wanting to say out loud but haven't there are some there are players and there are agents who have certain clients that when you're in the situation aaron judge was in last year Heading into April, no contract. The final offer wasn't good enough. I'm going to play this season out. There's a hell of a lot of players that say, I'm going to half-ass it this year. What I can't do is get hurt. What I can't do is, is, is hurt my value. So I'm going to ride this thing out and kind of go through the motions and just be me. And then when I get to the market, I'll be properly valued. And then I can do my thing again. Aaron Judge did exactly the opposite, and that had to really pique interest to an, to another level with him as a player. And I know the age was a factor, but I'm telling you right now, and, and unfortunately, I see a lot of the negative in this stuff. There's a hell of a lot of athletes, Dan, that, that mail it in when they know the money's coming and it's just not time yet. There's a lot, of, a lot of players that look at that and say, I mean, we're seeing it in college sports right now. We're seeing it, and rightfully so. You know, that, that process has to change. But Aaron Judge did this. My point is Aaron Judge could have had a 30 home run, 90 RBI season and still probably bag 300 million. Is that incorrect? No, that's a good point. I mean, sport to to compare sports is a little tough. And I know I know you understand the nuance of that. Um, I I think like your point is valid with baseball players, I think, on non contenders who just want to get to that, that, um, you know, free because of the control, there's just nothing they can do for six years, you know, so they have to feel like they they have to protect themselves. Yeah, but on a on a contending team like the Yankees, like I, I don't know if baseball, you know, athlete high end athletes are built like that to just cash it in. And and I say that for baseball specifically because of the guaranteed money, whereas an NFL player tears his ACL or has mm-hmm. another significant injury, it, you know, he could go from 20 million to literally $0 on his next contract. If his career ends now a baseball player, I, I'm glad you said that point because Aaron judge, the, the Yankees offer to me was his, was his floor, right? I mean, that's right. Like, they, where do you they, start? They, came, they came out as if it was some impressive offer to get in front of any negative attention from their fan base i think it was quite the opposite it seemed sort of like a low ball offer and if judge made it to the open market uh coming off of like let's call it uh, his average four or five win season you're right he would have he would have at least gotten that yankee contract if not still approached 300 million dollars i totally agree with that so he the yankees uh, the original offer in my opinion was sort of like 
insulting in some ways. And I think that they went public was even more insulting. So to see him really kind of stick it to them on that front um, and like earn essentially another $150 million. um, I mean, maybe he, maybe his market was always 300 million, like you're saying, but like he, he added some, he added some numbers onto that, uh, onto that contract. Right. Let's talk about that original offer. I know. I mean, you've just said it there. You think it was a bad decision by the Yankees to go public with it. We've talked about this when it happened. It's, it's okay to talk about it now too, because we're, we're at a kind of concluding point with it. Did any of it have to do with the fact that they that they were concerned he was going to mail in 2022? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying here, Dan? If you put that out there and it and it energizes him a little bit, maybe even pisses him off, because I think that's right. I, I don't think you're incorrect in saying that was sort of a lewd, move, you know, a shrewd move by Brian Cashman to say, well, we, here's the exact number. We want everybody to know we at least made an effort. And you're right, it was a low ball. <laughs> okay, it was. That was. You're right. That that's that's. You're not on the open market yet, so we're going to offer you this number because we just, still control you. Just to interject on that point, I don't even think it was like an ins. I don't even think it was like him posturing against Aaron Judge. I no. think it was a posture for their fan base to say we are that, trying. That's this exactly is what we right. Are, right. That's exactly okay. right. And by the way, if they don't make this contract work, that would have quadrupled that fan base saying, "When? Where the hell are the Yankees that pay money?" If they don't get this done, you've got a, rev- a complete revolution on your on your hands here because, you know, the Garrett, the Garrett Cole contract just isn't enough. I I just think it's okay for Brian Cashman to do what he did. It, it felt a little Aaron Rodgers esque to me, where we're gonna put this out there. You know that back and forth that the Packers and Rodgers now continually have every off season here. If you don't air your laundry publicly the hot stove and the Twitter stove is just going to dominate the conversation. So, so Dan, I'm perfectly okay with the Yankees, even if it's a shitty offer saying, look, we gave it a shot. This was our internal extension offer. And by the way, you're right. It's the floor, but they don't, they're not bidded against anybody else at that point. Nobody else, nobody else is allowed to bid against Aaron judge on April 7th. So there's no reason for them to save 300 million. I I completely understand what Brian Cashman has done here. Now, Aaron Judge played himself into 350 plus million. There's no question about that. But I'm perfectly fine with what Brian Cashman has done. And I think it's something that has to get done more now because if they don't, the fan bases, which used to be call ins to a radio show, can literally now turn a sport on its head. L- literally, on a, day- on a day-to-day basis, Twitter and-, and wherever the hell else you want to scream, right? Reddits, the Reddits of the world can honestly change the way that we perceive a certain situation as a whole, as a whole community, not just as a, fa- as a local fan base. So while baseball might be a regional sport, baseball's major stories still dominate on a national landscape. So I- I'm perfectly fine with Brian Cashman. And by the way, it probably took balls to go out there and say this was our offer because everybody knew it was going to get destroyed, just like the Nationals with the, with the Juan Soto offers. But if you don't at least go out and say it, I think you're you're suspect to way more bullshit from from Twitter. Is that a bad way to read this? Do you and look, Brian Cashman really doesn't care, but he knows he has to care or he's gonna he's gonna hear about it for the next eight months. It would have affected the Yankees season a, a ton. <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess I guess the point I can't get on board with like that that framing is uh, here's the quote. 
we kind of said, hey, let's keep this between us, says Judge. I was a little upset that the numbers came out. I understand it's a negotiation tactic. Put the pressure on me. Turn the fans against me. Turn the media on me. That part I didn't like. Okay, so if if it was if it was a mutual decision that they were going to keep these negotiations internal and then and then Cashman crossed that line, whether it was intentional or, uh, you know, like an aggressive move on his part, I, I'm not going to read into the, you know, the motive, but. If, if the two sides had said, let's keep this quiet and they didn't keep it quiet. Like I, I think, I think they cost themselves quite a bit of money because I think Aaron judge would have taken this totally different, a, a totally different approach this off season. If that didn't happen. I mean, we started to see, you know, he, he didn't come out in one interview and say, here's a, B, C, D, E, Y. I don't why I was unhappy or happy in New York, but you heard him kind of complain about getting booed, you know, in the playoffs when he struggled and like he, he sort of like baited the giants and just, you know, pinning them against the Yankees. I, I think he would have been a lot less quiet about any frustrations he had if Cashman didn't come out and sort of like pull down that, that, that fence and the, you know, that, um, protection in the valid. first place. It's so, all valid. Can I, can I push back though and play devil's advocate here? Yeah. We're, I mean, we're both just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I like the deal. I, I get why Cashman did it. I'm just trying to say from like a, a real life perspective, like him, Aaron judge is not a flashy. I'm in the media. He no, doesn't want to say not. anything edgy. So like for him to even like these little, tr- these, this drip drip coming out where like he now in hindsight, he got the deal from the Yankees. He probably is going to say, Oh, I've always wanted to be a Yankee. I love the Yankees. But the fact that that little trickle out of information was like, can I, you know, can I, can I ask you this question? Do you honestly believe in 2022 that somebody wouldn't have gotten the deal out? Do you honestly think that uh, judge's agent wouldn't have eventually leaked this information? Because that's, if I'm Brian Cashman, that's exactly what I'm thinking. At I mean, some I don't know time, what, you're going to turn this against me. You're just going to have to I from a leveraging standpoint. So uh, I'm going to say it myself and I'm going to take the heat for it. It's a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. And I'll never know, know the right answer to it. Um, I, it would, to me, it would only be released from the player side as like a knock against the organization. But if judge is motivated to come back, I don't think he would have thrown the first stone in that, in that case. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe agents are way sleazier than I want to give them credit for in this situation. <laughs> It's, it seems like he wanted to keep it quiet. He wanted to be a Yankee. He just wanted to get paid. He, the Yankees threw the first stone and he said, okay, here's a career generational type season. Now it's in your hands and I'm going to start releasing information. I mean, the Yankees were legitimately sweating, Mike. When, when quotes from Giancarlo Stanton are coming out saying I like, he's got to be back in this locker room. And when you have, Aaron Boone, like publicly sweating on MLB now in an interview on MLB network when Brian Cashman is saying, I legitimately don't know what our next move is. If you know, maybe that's a little posturing as well, but like, I, I truly believe if judge went to San Francisco there, they didn't have a, a set in stone plan B plan C. It, it was going to totally be, let's go back to the drawing board. I mean, of course they've done their due diligence on free agents, but like when you, like we've talked about it, that, this lineup is drastically looks drastically weaker without Aaron judge in it. So if you, if you like, if, if they're left to scramble for like Brandon Nimmo, like is any Yankee fan excited that Brandon Nimmo is the Aaron judge replacement, you know? 
Um, so I think we both kind of always said this is where it was going to get to. He was just going to have to take that leverage tour. And look, there was general interest on both sides for San Francisco. There's no question about it. We learned this morning something we probably all kind of knew in the back of our minds anyway. San Diego was also in because they're apparently in on every single human being in the world right now. I, I'm going to guess the Padres offer was significantly more than this. Is that incorrect in thinking, Dan? I mean, we know they went, we know they went bonkers on the Trey Turner offer. We know where they've been with some of these other contracts. Uh, most of the contracts on their roster are surplus contracts. I'm going to guess the Padres made the biggest offer here. I mean, the fact that we didn't hear anything about it until like yeah. literally right now um, is interesting. I, I don't even want to try and quantify what the hell the Padres are doing because <laughs> like if they, if they were going to just add another 350 plus million dollars to the payroll on this, on this player, like, I, I like I, 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 I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying he's not like the dynamic, like he's not Otani or Soto like that would totally change that team. And I mean, he, they already have Soto, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's right. not like this, like multi-dimensional move that like, you just got to blow the doors off when they've already sunk in so much money into that team. So that, that seems odd to me that I don't even, I, I'm going to wait to kind of hear more info, but like, I originally was going to say that the impressive part was that this was just two teams involved. It's not even like he got this massive contract with half the league involved for bidding. It was, it was the Yankees. Uh, uh, I mean, we're going to include the Padres, but for all intents, it was him pitting the Yankees and the giants against each other. And he, he milked the biggest contract in in history. Are you, where are you with the 40 million a year? Cause it's obviously a nice round number for reporting, but it's almost 5 million more than trout. Are we okay with this? No, it's stupid. I mean, we, I, we, I, agree. Not, I completely talk, agree. We've talked about it plenty that this is not going to be a good contract nine years, you know, seven, eight, nine years from now. It's you're, you're they're you know, they're, they, they were trying to preserve his legacy. He's, a, you know, he's the leader in the clubhouse. He's a, he's the only marketing guy they really have to like promote around. Um, there were so many things involved in this that I don't think the Yankees, even care if he's terrible five years from now like they really just wanted to save face in the short term and get a you know four or five good seasons out of this and um i mean we've we've talked about it at length but like players players uh like his size and stuff they just don't age very well so uh, like yeah. I, I don't think this is going to be a good deal but like I, they had to do it right they had to do it they had to do it let's quickly because the plan was going to be kind of assess the entire landscape of major league baseball a month into free agency and just sort of find who still got those holes and which teams markedly got better. I don't even think it's possible to say that the Yankees got better today. Right. Uh, in fact, are, are they still a little bit worse having lost tie on and, and really no, not showing up the starting rotation at all, let alone any kind of semblance of bullpen outside of, you know, Tommy Canley. I, are they are they are they better today than they were at the end of 2022? It's funny you phrase it like that because I was thinking of this like are have any of these teams that made big splashes so far really drastically Philly. better? I the mean the Phillies. Like, the Phillies are fucking okay, better, man. Uh, yes. yes, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I omitted them. I guess I guess my mind is focused on the Rangers, the Mets and the Yankees, right? The the Mets basically spent 
just to stay the same, right? You keep Verlander, you keep Diaz. The Yankees did the same thing. The Rangers are marginally better. I mean, they're better, but yeah. they're like not, not clearly, you know, better than anyone in that division. Yeah, the Phillies, obviously, I I'm they're better for yeah for getting that. But um, these other teams, though, they basically just spent to to stay where they were last year, which like is the cost of doing business when players hit free agency. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think the Yankees still have plenty of holes, which plenty. is. Uh, Another testament to why this signing was so important. If then you have even bigger holes in your lineup, man, I don't know what they were going to pivot to. You you might have seen them blow their whole plan up in terms of like going after one of the, the, the free agent shortstops and, and not like go into the year hoping that your your prospects can like give you significant time at those positions, you know, so I, I really I was like joking in our chat that I, I sort of wanted to see judge go to San Francisco just so we could see how it played out in New York. But obviously we'll ne- we'll never know now. So we'll get to San Francisco in just a moment. Last thing on the Yankees. Cause we're, we're a money show. The judge 40 million. Now, assuming there's no deferrals, I can't imagine there's deferred money. That's pro- that's probably one of the things that was negotiated with the, the San Francisco offer and the, and the Padres offer. Right. So let's just say it's a straight 40 tax salary. We've now got the Yankees with an opening day tax payroll of 261, which is about 30 million north of the threshold. They don't have a number two or number three pitcher. If you, if you call Severino sort of one of those in-betweens. Are they out of the Carlos Rodon conversation? I mean, are they in the Nate Evaldi kind of world right now? Or are they just going to run with these kids and then see what happens by the deadline? I mean, where are we with this Yankees tax payroll? Are they going to be approaching 30, 300 million, Dan? Uh, probably. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they can just like sit pat now. I think they still need to add pitching, whether they're in the deep end of pitching with like Carlos Rodon or like yeah. way shallower. I'm not sure, but I mean, um, look, there are worse rotations, Cole Severino, Cortez, Domingo Herman, and Frankie Montas. Now half those guys were underwhelming last year, but you can, there's a world where those five are just fine. Correct. There is, but there's also a lot of variance in that. And there's a, there's a chance that really it's just Cole and a bunch of guys that don't, I mean, you know, Herman has showed promise, but never, you know, I mean, obviously there's been some off the field stuff there, but, um, Severino hasn't stayed healthy. Nestor Cortez like came out of nowhere. I mean, I'm not, I I think he's a good solid pitcher, but I'm not going to count on a repeat from last year. He's going to fall back to earth a little bit. And, and Frankie Montes, like he, all of his success was in hitter friendly Oakland. He struggled once he came over. We've seen this countless times with Sonny Gray, Andrew Heaney, players that come over and pitch in Yankee Stadium and then just get absolutely torched. Yep. So I'm I like Frankie Montas a lot. I'm just not convinced that that's even going to work out there until I see a little bit more. So I mean, they do have five decent starters and some depth guys that can maybe come up um, in the case of injuries. But I still, I mean, like in a mm-hmm. playoff. We, we saw it last year where they, they didn't even want to throw Jameson Tyone, which was arguably one of their better pitchers last year. So they didn't even want to throw him in prime playoff scenarios. So I, like in the, this, we've talked about it before. This is a roster that is going to be sexy throughout the season, can hit home runs and carry you to a postseason. But once you get in the postseason, they're missing some of the, like the, the shiny toys that you sort of need to really like the, the, the pitching, pitching. Yep. Starting pitching is what I'm trying to get at. So I think there's there's a reasonable path that they might be done. 
and and maybe it's it's a it's a really low level fifth starter that they add just for depth purposes but i think that they could run this lineup out there in april and then tinker with it throughout the year and add those in, think- intangible type guys throughout the year but i i do think dan that they could pause right now and just kind of start the year like they started last year which is i mean if they were pretty damn active last offseason with trades with some roster shakeups you know, there's a there's an Aaron Hicks move to be made here, possibly, but I think that's got to have to be midseason. You know what I mean? Like, the, 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 when I look at this roster, I think July, not April. That's fair. That's totally fair. And in it really lines up with your luxury tax point. I mean, I'm yeah. like they're the Yankees, and I like we don't I don't care about their financials at all. <laughs> but they, I mean, I. I what I'm trying to say is I think I agree with you rather than go fishing in the deep end of free agency. Um, there was a lot of rumors around them tr- making a trade at the deadline for a pitcher last year. I mean, obviously we know how the Jordan Montgomery thing worked out, but um, it sounds like they were like kind of on the one yard line of uh, getting Pablo Lopez from the Marlins, like to the point where like the players were public. I think it was Pablo Lopez and Miguel Rojas That's for right. Oswal- Oswaldo Pereira, uh, Peraza and Glaber Torres, That's which right. like, could could they revisit that? I mean, like, absolutely. So that's the way they go if they want to try and stay cheap ish and like. Can can I make one more upgrade? Can I give you one more hot stove take, which has to have legs now? Let let's say that this this contract, Aaron Judge's contract, takes them out of the Brandon Nimmo conversation because Nimmo's going to be twenty million, and you're they're really not in a position to overpay for a center fielder right now, except unless one becomes available because there's just shakeups galore happening for this franchise. Are, are you holding on to assets right now? A for that a plus pitcher, like a Pablo Lopez or a Corbin Burns or B. Are, are we, are we totally positive that Mike Trout can't be traded in the next 18 months? And I'm, and I'm, I'm being totally honest here. I'm not just being, you know, BS hot stove Mike here. Are, are we not positive? Because that absolutely has to be a move to be considered here if you're the New York Yankees. Am I incorrect? Oh, I, I know. I know. I mean, I'm throwing you yeah, curveballs yeah, here, should, but why no, not? No, no. It, it should be on the table. I like the longer this goes, the less I think Trout gets traded. But like, unless he goes to the front, that front office, that ownership and says, I need to, I need to try and win like yeah. before I get old. I, I have a hard time seeing um, that organization being willing to get rid of those guys, despite what they could get in that in a potential return. So yeah, I think it's on the table. It's just a personal opinion of mine though, that I think like there's a lot of chatter and the longer I hear about it, the less I think it's going to happen kind of thing. So, okay. um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. In other what words, next don't build your next couple of years around that because it's probably not happening that quickly. Well, right. And we just talked about the money side of it. Like, are they going to want to add that contract? And I mean, you're not saying no to Mike Trout. Well, no, that's fair. You're not saying no to Mike Trout. I mean, it's just not happening. And I understand that the money would look stupid uh, on paper and I'd be, I'd have an absolute field day trying to manage it, but you just don't say no to that situation. So I, I'm not going to throw it out there. There's also a world where where Juan Soto becomes available. I mean, I mean, totally available. If this Padres thing blows up this year, you know, and if the, if they don't hit lightning in a bottle in that division, they're not going to pay Juan Soto five hundred million dollars, right? 
Yeah, I don't think so. No, no. I don't either. Otherwise, they would have made the offers, and they wouldn't be trying to make $500 million offers to two other players. So, I, fascinating team. We'll get to the Padres later, maybe after more of their, uh, whether their offers become public or more moves get made, because I don't think they're done. They, they love trading players in January. So, well, some, somebody's and, moving and that, off that roster. <laughs> and that's why I said I, I like, have no idea right. what is like what they're doing because like in my opinion like i i feel like i criticized judge when they said why are you going to go after this player i i just would rather give that money to soto unless like it's a scott boris thing they're not going to negotiate it's just going to go get the biggest money on on the market but like i don't know why when you have that superstar in house already why you just wouldn't try and lock him up with, rather than go chase yeah. um you know uh aaron judge who you know, could potentially fall off a cliff any year here, you know? So I, I would just rather bet on Juan Soto long-term than Aaron Judge long-term, but but that's me, so. It's fair. It's totally fair. Um, let's move to the Giants, the losers in this conversation, kind of, right? I mean, not having to pay somebody $360 million is kind of a win, especially if you can do, you know, allocate that money elsewhere, maybe into a couple players. You've long been in on Carlos Correa becoming the next shortstop of the San Francisco Giants. Is that now basically a slam dunk in your opinion? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you 80, 80, 20, 80% he, San Francisco, 20% the field. What, which side would you take? Like, I think it's I, that like, you think it's that big. See, I, I would go 60 San Francisco, 20 twins, 20 field. I think a return yeah, in Minnesota is, is extremely viable still. So I'm mostly reading tea leaves here and like things I've heard, listened to uh, Farhan Zaidi, they're making a splash here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have trouble. I have trouble getting my head around that splash, not being like really big. And I, I, th- I think, so they're on record. They want a cornerstone player, someone to, to build around they really haven't had a face of the franchise in quite some time in san francisco maybe since madison Bumgarner left or but uh, probably buster posey sorry but mm-hmm. they like i i think it's carlos correa there they can brandon crawford can obviously get moved off shortstop at this point in his career um they want a prime player to move around like his numbers aren't like aaron judge sexy but he just is an incredible baseball player clubhouse guy um, mm-hmm. it's sort of all the intangibles that I think a, an organization would look as like a cornerstone to build around if you're trying to ramp it up. Um, not that Bogarts isn't or Swanson isn't, yeah, but I just think, can we talk about that? Like, is, is he, is Correa really a, another tier above Swanson and Bogarts right now? I think in terms of the intangibles, yes, for okay. sure. I mean, um, like w- specifically with Bogarts, there's concerns long-term he'll have to move off shortstop, move to second base. There's actually some of those same concerns with Swanson. I mean, like his arm is not the best, but he's made really good improvements to the point where he's one of the best defenders at shortstop. But there are concerns at some point he might kick over to second base. Um, So like just from that perspective, if you're trying to lock in like a cornerstone shortstop premier position, middle of the order hitter, um, I do. I would personally give bump a a bump to Correa. Um, in part, he's still pretty young. I mean, I mean, there's so many factors. I just think the writing is on the wall. Um, I thought that they might get judge and Correa Uh now that judge is off the table. I think this is like the next big piece is to get Correa done. And part of me, like, I really think they get two of 
Correa, Nemo, Rodon. Okay. If not I, I was going to bring Nemo into this conversation. And, and, yeah. and if Correa really is that, that, that step above, it's going to be the financial step above too, right? So let's just put Correa on a Trey Turner contract here because I think that's, that's at least fair. Do you think the Giants are willing to go, you know, $125 million for Nimmo and $300 million for Correa, knowing they still need a number, you know, a number one or number two pitcher here as well? I, I just don't know if they can do it all this offseason is my point. Are they thinking a two, three-year plan here? Or, you know, if you've dropped 300 on a Correa, is your timeline now squished? It's a fair point. I think that's why I kind of leave it at two of three. Like, if they leave, if they don't get Correa, like, I mean, are they just going to, like, go all in on Nimmo? Like, I I don't even think Nimmo's the player to push your chips in on, personally. I think that's going to be, in hindsight, just like the bad contract of the offseason. You know, Um, like, couldn't you settle for plan B at shortstop in order – as a way to free up center fielder money, starting pitcher money, isn't it just a better building plan? Yeah, it could be. It, it, it totally could be. Yeah. I, I just wonder if that's where they go. The, the Hanniger signing was, I thought, extremely smart. This is a player that hit 40 and 100 a year ago when he was healthy um, and just wasn't healthy in 2022. There's real potential for him in that ballpark, as we've seen quite a bit, to, to turn to that kind of player on an annual basis. And he's costing him 40 million over the next three years. So, you know, he's not Aaron Judge. I'm not trying to say he's Aaron Judge, certainly from a marketing standpoint. But he's going to be 70, 75% of that production-wise on an annual basis, isn't he, Dan? Yeah, probably, probably, yeah. yeah. He's not going to hit 300 either. I'm, I'm not trying to make it an apples-for-apples apples conversation. I'm just saying whether they knew that they were out on Judge at that point when they signed Mitch Hanniger, it's not a terrible plan F for right field right now. Let's put it that way, especially if they know that there are other horses coming to the barn. What other teams do we have to talk Rangers? I really don't want to have a Degrom discussion, but you don't think the Rangers are done, do you? Eight hundred million dollars um, later. Well, no, I, actually, I think. Well, I mean, long term, no. I, I mean, I don't know what they're gonna kind of do in the short term. It seems like they might flip some of their current roster guys. Um, yeah. For depth in other areas, but I mean, like, I don't know. They just spent almost a billion dollars in two off seasons. Like, I, I don't know what they, it's what insane. And their over under is probably 88. Right. And this, the Mariners and Astros are already markedly better than them. Is that incorrect? That's, in that's a, no, that's my opinion. I mean, they did. I, I sort of said, <laughs> did they even get better? Uh, did they even get better? They did get better. They're just for all the money they spent. They're still probably behind at least two teams in that division. So it's, I mean, like, did you get better if that's, if that's where we're at? So I'm telling you right now, I'm going to, I'm going to be placing money on Corey Seager for AL MVP next year. Just so you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I believe that there are players on this roster that can be outstanding players. I just don't know if they've got the total package. That's all I'm saying. There's a lot of money invested in what I don't think is going to be a lot of wins. That's, that's, that's how I read that situation right now. Which team is going to be the next big shakeup? By the way, the Cubs are in this conversation here and the Cubs are in the Korea yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I know if he goes there, man, yes. I, and you, you, by the way, you called this at the end. We had a, a, a pod after the end of the year. And this was the team you identified as these guys are not as bad as everybody's saying out loud. And you were ready for this kind of a move from them. So are they ready for Korea? And then let's freaking go. 
yeah, it, it, mm, that's the kind of player I think they're targeting somebody on a longer term deal that they can lock up and build around going mm-hmm. forward. Um, I don't think it's, they're going to like do like some sort of short term deal to just get by. Oh, so no, I think they're I do, getting one of those three guys. I, I think Bogarts is the most likely candidate to end up there, but I, they're in on, on this. And, and that, that's a signal that they believe that they can at least contend in that division. Dan. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I don't, I have too much to add. Which team do you absolutely need to see make a move here in the next three months? A team that you think is fringe contention and that right now they're botching this off season. Um, I have my my team ready. (laughs) You start and then I'll, I I just think the blue Jays have to get off their freaking hands. I loved the Tiasker move. I thought it brought in the, the right kind of assets. That's the right way to start the offseason. They have to finish it now. They have got to go and identify what, what can be a game-changing starting pitcher to go with the question marks that, it, that are Kevin Gosman and Jose Barrios over any kind of you know, marathon season. And I hope Alec Manoa is going to be this player for the next 10 years for them. I, I just want them to have a, 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 a big boy in the house ready to go out there every six days and, and be the guy for this team, which offensively speaking, is just so freaking exciting. I, I don't want them to botch this. They are in such a prime position to pounce because the Orioles aren't going to get markedly better. The Yankees aren't going to get markedly better. I don't think the Red Sox can certainly get off, get out of the basement right now, and the Rays are going to be the Rays. They just have a chance right now, and I don't want to see them squander it. That's a good point, yeah. They, <laughs> they're... I feel like they're lingering on the Nimmo stuff too, a little bit here. Um, We talked about moving Springer over to a corner spot. Um, So yeah, I like that. I mean, where do you think, like, do you think they, I guess, where do you think they're going to specifically upgrade or like how they're going to do it? Cause like there we've, we've talked about the catching depth they have, but it seems almost certain that they're going to move one of those guys to improve somewhere. So I don't necessarily know, like, I, I guess all I'm saying is I'm not looking at their lack of moves so far and saying like they're, they haven't done anything. I think they're just exploring different avenues, but can I we, mean, who knows? Can right? I offer the Pablo Lopez trade that you projected from the Yankees with the blue Jays as a, it's basically what they did with Jose Barrios final year of arbitration. They knew the twins weren't going to pay him what they wanted, brought him in early, gave him the extension and, and the rest is kind of history. Why can't they do this with Pablo Lopez? Um, nothing to push back on there. Yeah. I I guess I wouldn't even know where their package would start for him, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, especially if you're going to block the Yankees, I mean, both teams have to be looking for starting pitching. So do you have a team? I like it. Um, I'm going to kind of punt on this and just cover a couple teams that I think are kind of like lingering here. I I don't have a team specifically that I think is just going to like go balls to the wall. If I do, if I did, I think I would pick maybe Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like they're like they had a, by all accounts, they underperformed and had a disappointing year last year. Like they should have probably finished quite a bit better than they did. A lot of injuries, et cetera. There's a lot of smoke around them making a major move for a pitcher and a position player. If that's Correa, if that's not Correa and they shift and go a different way. Um, I do think that they have two two sizable moves coming here at some point. Um, I have the, I have the deal for them, by the way, 
go ahead. There was a deal floated out there, I believe, by the Athletic, where the Brewers and the Phillies got involved. I sent this to you. Um, it was Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas to Philadelphia for Bryson Stott, Reese Hoskins, and a pitching prospect or something like that. Can't this be the move that the Twins make? They need to upgrade their shortstop position. They need a bona fide starting pitcher. Uh, the Brewers appear to be in full sell mode here to some degree. Isn't the, aren't those two players that upgrade that roster immediately? Yeah, yeah, that could work. That could work. I mean, I don't know if like that those players specifically. I don't know if Philly's going to move Bryson Stott now. No, it no, no. Like I'm saying, Dan. I'm saying the Twins acquire those players from the Brewers because I don't think gotcha, the Phillies gotcha. are in anymore. But couldn't that right. be because those are two, two positions that need to get upgraded in Minnesota right now immediately. And if the Brewers are floating those guys out there, you overpay. I mean, and Minnesota has prospects. They've got Royce Lewis. They've got Alex Kirilov. They've got a couple of younger arms. I feel like it's a it's a fair match on both sides. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. Yep, I I, I like that. They're gonna they're they're gonna make a move here at some point, whether it's a trade, whether it's free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're ready to spend a little bit of money. Here, so, um, Tampa also, man, like yeah. there's so much smoke around them being involved in a number of guys, like. The Degrom stuff might have just been you no, know, it leverage, was real. but they were. It was real. Jose yeah, Abreu was real. They, no, it was real. They were in on Freddie Freeman last year, <laughs> yep. so that's what I mean. They're like going to do something here, especially like we've talked about. Maybe you move Glass now off that roster to save a couple, you know, mm-hmm. twenty mil, a couple twenty mil, and um, uh, reallocate that somewhere else. But Tampa, I think, um, St. Louis is the obvious one. They have like a glaring hole, a catcher. It almost seems certain it's going to be Sean Murphy or. Wilson Contreras at that point. So I still think they have a monster move coming up here. Um, there's some smoke with them around shortstop, but I'm not totally sure they want to get locked in, locked in long-term there. They have a couple guys in the minors that can, can break in in the next two, three years. Um, but maybe they look for like a short-term um, patch mm-hmm. job. But I guess my, my like surprise team, I think Baltimore is going to make a sizable move. Maybe that's for Correa um, to, to sort of ramp it up. But um yeah. They need to start moving in an aggressive direction at some point. And I think the timing is right that they start um, doing that either this off season or next off season with the, with the core and prospects that they have there. I believe um, they're an off season away. I, I think Arizona is that Baltimore team right now. And I've said that for a couple of weeks now, I think they're, they know the prospects they have. They know the surplus they have in the outfield. There's going to be teams that miss out on Nimmo here. There's going to be teams that just missed out on Judge and want to stay cheap but, but still bring in new blood. I think Arizona is going to be unbelievably aggressive over the next couple of weeks with via the trade and possibly, look, they've been directly linked to Bogarts here for a couple of weeks now. They're definitely in that conversation. I think if they secure him, the, the rest of the ropes come off and they really start to get aggressive with some of their prospects and movement wise. So that's the team for me this year. I see Baltimore as that team next year, Dan, I'm going to do something you absolutely hate. Top 25 free agents that I had on a list. Many are still available. Where do they end up? Bogarts go. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Bogarts, Minnesota. Carlos Rodon. This is all, this is all very, very gut reaction. It's on the, the record. No, no, it's, it's truth. Uh, it's gospel. <laughs> Rodon, San Francisco. Nice. Scrolling down the list. Dansby Swanson. Um, mm. By the way, I should do this too. Let me start over while you think. 
Bogarts, I'm going to say Cubs. Carlos Rodon, I'm going to say Giants. Go ahead with Dansby Swanson. Swan, I, I'll put Swanson on the Cubs. I'm going to say back to the Braves in one of the biggest curveballs of the offseason. Oh, catcher Wilson Contreras. You just mentioned him. Whew. So I, I'm going to say Houston, even though I want to say St. Louis, but man, I just don't believe that they're going to go from Yadier Molina behind the plate to Wilson Contreras. And I, Wilson I Contreras, do. I th- I'm saying St. Louis. <laughs> right. And I know that I know you in your piece, you released, you had Contreras. I, Contreras is a good MLB player, but yeah. man, like I think that's an organization that values defense. And I have a lot of mm-hmm. concerns that they're going to pony up the money to bring him in. Um, I under those it. circumstances, but so I'm going to say Houston. I'm going to say it's Houston. Former catcher, and you saying that out loud, Nathan Avaldi. Man, he's he's going to be. I mean, James, he's going to get in Tyon just got seventy million, Dan. Yeah, right. Like what he breaks. What the hell 20. are we does doing he bring, here? <laughs> does he break? What's does, AAV on seventeen mil over under? Does he break that? You think? Yeah, he's going five for ninety, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I got him at Toronto, even though I hate it. Yeah, that's, that's probably right. But for sake of difference, I will say, um, (laughs) the Mariners. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Chris Bassett. The Mets. Really? That makes me very happy. I don't think it's possible. Sorry. I will say the Mets. If, Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think the Mets are in on on this Sanga. I'm probably butchering his yeah, name, sure. Kodai Sanga. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Dominoes, like that's going to be their next piece, but it doesn't sound like he's super close to signing. Um, but I think the Mets just want to like push in on him. So I, I'm probably way wrong on the Bassett thing. But I don't even know where where would he go. Where would he go? I, I have the I have the team. By the way, I miss Sanga. That's Angels for me. If the Angels aren't selling, they've got to be aggressive, and that is one of those moves that's u- uberly aggressive that they swing and miss on quite a bit. So I'm putting him on the Angels. He, he did publicly come out and say his yeah. two main factors are large market, though, and a contender. He wants to be on an immediate contender. I mean, I don't <laughs> – do, do the Angels Throwing qualify? some Angel shade here. It's dirty in the morning. <laughs> Chris Bassett becomes the new ace of the Boston Red Sox. Four years, okay. $88 million. Um, Nimmo. Um, you want to stick with Toronto? Uh, You've been saying Toronto. I, I want to. I still think the Giants, but I'm I'm going to push the Giants on three guys and hope that it hits on two of them. Back so. to the <laughs> Mets, Dan. Back to the Mets. Brandon Nimmo. Oh no! Uh, he no knows way. a good thing when he sees it. Andrew Benintendi. You're going to love this answer. I'm woefully unprepared for the, the depth of this conversation. Ah, you know this league. <laughs> you're, you're qualified. Uh, <laughs> you should say the team that you brought up in the uh, surprise factor. Baltimore? No, I think Tampa. I, I think this is a Tampa oh. team. Um, but don't count out San Diego as making him like the plan C with whatever outfield contract they're trying to sign here for no reason. Zach, uh, Michael Conforto. Did I say Nimmo for Seattle? That was terrible. No, that wasn't said, even close. No, you said 
Giants, which is fine. Oh, Top three right. for sure. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Who did you just Mike ask? Michael Conforto. Oof. I mean, that's got, it's got, well, I was going to say it's got to be Toronto. I, they need a left-handed bat. That's like, my team. No, let's nobody's ag- let's business. Let's agree on that. Let's agree on that. Yeah, the, I like the, only ca- the only caveat is like if they are trying to move Springer out of center field, but I, it, dude, this center field market is a joke. Yeah. It's like, I, I know you this, I know you know this, but for the listeners right now, it's, Kevin Kiermeyer, sorry, Brandon Nimmo, Kevin Kiermeyer, Kevin Pillar, and a bunch of people like Jackie Bradley. Like, do you want him starting 150 games? Can, can we and, re-engage and, with this trout conversation? It's the right freaking time, man. It's the right well, time. Right. That, that's why I think immediately when we finish talking about this, I'm going to start looking at what teams <laughs> have more than one guy who can play center field. Because even next year, yeah. do you want to know the 2024 free agent market for center fielders? It is. No. Even worse. Hold on. I just lost it. It's okay. I believe you. It is currently Cody Bellinger, mm. Kike Hernandez, Harrison Bader, Michael A. Taylor, Dustin, Dustin Fowler. Yeah, like they ain't going to do it. No, they so ain't going to do it. So th- and, and so, I mean, half the league is looking for center fielders right now. So and speed. Seemingly and any, speed. Any te- yeah, exactly. So any team who has more than one guy who feasibly can play out there is is probably going to get some attention. So trade Mike Trout, Kenley Jansen. Yeah. Uh, the man, I don't know on this one. Okay. Boston, the Philly, me. the Phillies. Oh, I like, oh, Phil- I like Philadelphia quite a bit, but I'll put Boston. Uh, even though I'm not sure Boston should be buying anything right now. That's it. Everybody else is signed. Your uh, guardians took Josh Bell, who was at number 25 for me. That's it. I mean, it's been a quick, quick run here for Major League Baseball free agency. December 7th and 60% of the top free agents are gone right now. So it's, uh, it's good news. Can I say one last thing on Aaron Judge? Um, I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with the timing of this contract. And it, I was hoping this would wait till after Christmas so that the baseball discussions could continue. I'm so proud of them for doing this on a Wednesday morning, Dan. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> oh, this I was is, so I, I This is the weakest I, NFL day of the week. It is. This is oh, the for, absolute best time to strike on major baseball news. I'm so proud of them. I was counting on it happening at waking up to it o- happening overnight, which would be <laughs> so on par for this league, but instead it was Jameson Tyon was the the 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I had to wake up to that myself. I didn't even have that one in the system yet, but I'm so happy to get an 8.30 a.m. Eastern time Wednesday Aaron Judge contract announcement. It's, it's beautiful. It's exactly what it should have been. It's great. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll be back to uh, round up some Carlos Correa stuff soon. It sounds like that's really gaining <laughs> some momentum, but this was good. Let's, uh, let's, let's touch base in about a week, see where things stand. But uh, who's going to win the, the 2023 World Series, Dan? I can't leave without asking that question on December 7th. Oh. It's perfect well, I'm, time. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say the Phillies, even though it's probably the Phillies. Wait, I, I lied. Um, we have to do two minutes in the Dodgers because they've done go. nothing, right? Kershaw won for 20. That's that's basically nothing. Are are you in agreement with this? I think in our discussions offline here, you've kind of been ready for this sort of. Not not so much like a setback year, but maybe just a bridge year to reset the finances a little bit at least. Is that where you are with this? Yeah, 
Yeah. So how I've laid it out in the past is like the Dodgers are going to spend, like they're in this group of teams that are always, that always can spend and probably will spend. Um, so under that assumption, this is like the one year that there's sort of an opening for them to kind of reset the luxury tax threshold, which is crazy because it's be, this ridiculous free agent year. There's so many names, you know, right? But which is why, like, they can still they can reset it while still being really good contenders, right? I mean, you were able to shed almost 20 mil on Bellinger. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing with Justin Turner. You have an internal replacement on Justin Turner. Um, in Miguel Vargas, who's one of the top prospects in baseball. And mm-hmm. you also have Max Muncy who can move over there. We talked about the flexibility, you can move Mookie Betts to second base, which sorry, side note, I did not realize, but Mookie Betts prefers second prefers base. He it. grew up there. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he has, I heard Dave Roberts talk about this on a Jason Stark podcast, not long ago that he has asked to play there in terms of like that being his day off from the outfield That's rather incredible. than sitting on the bench. He prefers to be in the lineup every day, but that second base is a good opportunity to give him Dude, a breather. Dude, it's such a dream. Uh, Boston screwed this yeah. up so badly. My goodness. It's incredible. So um, they have so much flexibility there, uh, and they have young guys. So like they might not break in. They might not start the season with this like roster that's just like we're just drooling over. I mean, besides the starting lineup, we know what's there. Um, the pitching might be a little bit of a patchwork. I Like even – that was another thing I heard on this podcast. They flat out asked Dave Roberts, do you, do you envision yourself getting Kenley Jansen or another relief, bringing another guy? And he flat out said, we have multiple arms mm-hmm. that have experienced closing games. We put it together last year. I don't see a reason why we're going to do anything other than that this year. So like we said, there's a number of guys, Bruce, our Gratterall, Daniel Hudson. Um, they just brought in Shelby Miller, who like, I'm not going to say he's going to close, but he's going to be some sort of high leverage. I, I have no doubt they develop him into some high leverage guy that like none of us were expecting. So, um, yeah. So moral of the story is I think they can still be really good without making a ton of splashy moves and which is just going to be a placeholder for future years, whether that's Otani, whether that's, uh, I'm glad you said so I didn't have to, because I feel like I've been hot stove Mike for the last hour here, but that, that's got to be a part of it, right? Getting ready for 2023 Otani or 2024 Otani. I mean, I, I, I would think so. Me also too. another underrated aspect of this that I didn't really like hear or consider like historically the Dodgers, Andrew Friedman doesn't set the bar on the market. They are ne- like, despite all these massive moves they make, sure. they're rarely the first team to make side. They always let the market establish itself and then they come in and grab value or players that they see, you know, he's still fall, Tampa fall. Bay Rays, Andrew Friedman at heart, you know, <laughs> he is. Yeah. And then, and then they, and then they just pony up the paycheck for the guy that, you know, the, the Mookie best, the Freddie Freeman, the guy that they bring in. And, and that's why I can, I can see them kind of slow playing it this year, still being a contender. And then in future years, just like going nuts again. Right. So, um, yeah, this doesn't surprise me how they've operated. I still very much think they're going to make a move for a pitcher. Um, I am sort of like in the, the Corbin Burns camp. Um, I, I think that they're a team that could out, um, outbid other teams if, if he's actually on the market. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely going to make a move for pitching because that's kind of where they have to go. But in terms of like the roster, I think they piece it together, um, and, and kind of go th- from there. I think but, it's a little bit like the Yankees where if they just kind of stay where they were, 
and and at least start the year that way, they're just fine, and they can tinker in June and July. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair. I, I just we're, we're going to start to hear some overreactions about how they did nothing this off season, and when you win those as many games as they've won over the past three years, I think you can get away with that. I really do. You don't constantly have to be adding hundred million dollar contracts to do what you have to do over 162 games. You can tinker. I, I, I like the approach. I think it's a very measured approach right now. Now, that's not to say that if the right situation comes in, they're not going to pounce. We, they do it every year. Some, they pounce on something every year, as you've kind of alluded to there. But timing's got to be in their favor. So, all right. Anything else? Anything you got to get off your chest with your Cleveland Guardians? Uh, no, no, I like, yeah, I, we might as well touch it. I like the Josh Bell move. Mm-hmm. It's not like the sexiest move in the world, but he fits the Cleveland model so, so well. It's like if there was a free agent on the market that screams Cleveland Guardians, um, it's Josh Bell. He is a switch hitter, so he can platoon with Josh Naylor. He basically is going to take, he's going to absorb any at-bats Owen Miller had, which is, he was terrible last year. So that's an immediate prove, improvement. Um, Josh Naylor hit like 175 Ooh. against left-handed pitchers. Dude, it was tough um, to watch. Tough to watch at times. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, specifically against lefties, he mashes righties, but he, they got to get him out of the lineup against lefties. Josh Bell opens that avenue, so he, if he's in theory, steals Owen Miller's at bats and let's call it 20, 25 percent of Naylor's at bats against left-handed pitching. Um, that's a massive upgrade. Like on the downside. He's not good on the base pass. He's a bit pretty bad defender, but um, beyond that, I think he fits. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I, that's the hard hitting analysis we're looking for. Yeah, Josh, but Bell, that, Josh Bell, two for 33 or Jose or Bray with three for 58. Which would you have preferred uh, the Cleveland guardians had done? I'm fine with, I'm fine with the Josh Bell move quite honestly. Um, I, I think the Jose Abreu contract was way bigger than they wanted to mm-hmm. like they were definitely in on him i have no doubt that they were in on obreu and the the astros just blew the doors off um on that contract uh yeah the the bell thing fits and i i think the part of it that is so nice is it's only one maybe two years we talked about this a little bit yesterday i'm of the assumption that he will be there for two years uh and that he won't opt out unless he really puts up a ceiling um yeah. type season this year and that fits their timeline really well. Like I said, they need a platoon with Naylor and they have um, a pretty highly regarded first base prospect, John Kenzie Noel. I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, but who nobody it, knows. Dan. It, we'll never know. Yeah. I, he, he's a, he was in, he made it to double a last year. It sounds like he should get to triple a this year. Um, but people have like really high expectations. He's developed a lot over the last two seasons um, so, to the point where a lot of people are kind of penciling him in as their first baseman for like 2024, um, 20, uh, end of 24, maybe 25. Mm, so so I think, yeah, exactly. So I think it fits a lot. It fits a lot of pieces here um, for, for Cleveland. So I, I like it overall, especially like when you look down the first base, free agent i mean there's there there's not much there right we keep talking about it but there is there's not much i agree not much there so what is it mancini yeah uh brandon belt and miguel sano are like the big names so um sano is like the least cleveland guardians player (laughs) on the planet um brandon belt is another left-handed bat who's 35 i just like don't see that happening and Trey Mancini, I would have been okay with, but he's like an, he's not a natural first baseman. Um, there's just a number of things that I, I think Josh Bell was the best available option um, to the point I, I kind of like it. So, 
Let's talk soon. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, Mike. See ya. All right. Always good talking baseball with Cousin Dan. Plenty to talk about this morning as well. We'll ramp it back up when Correa and those big boys sign probably out west, but we'll see. Um, plenty of predictions here. And uh, the trade market, which after the winter meetings always starts to heat back up because all the uh, boots have been knocking a little bit and things start to become clearer and clearer in terms of buyers and sellers and who wants to actually make that big push for the 2023 season. So plenty more baseball to come. Plenty more all sports to come on the Spot Track podcast this week. Some housekeeping. I've got an early evaluations piece for top NFL free agents. There's about 75 players, about four or five from every single roster um, that I've evaluated with full projections. Leave it, you know, take what, what you want with that. But tons of running backs, a couple of big quarterbacks. Obviously, the Garoppolo stuff has changed, even though it's not as serious an injury as we anticipated out of the gate. That's live now on SpotTrack.com. Keith Smith's NBA trade piece, the early trade piece is live on SpotTrack.com. We're doing some, some built-in stuff here with uh, Major League Baseball as contracts hit. So we broke down to Grom. I'll be breaking down the Verlander contract with the Mets, uh, the Trey Turner contract with the Phillies once that hits. And then one more from Keith Smith. He's done God's work with 2023 NBA cap projections. So where this thing stands, go heading into next year and the calendar year and for the next season, because it's going to impact the trade deadline. It's going to impact how teams kind of complete their season as they gear up cap space for Chris Middleton and James Harden and maybe Kyrie Irving and some of those notable free agents set to hit the open market next July. So plenty to read on SpotTrip.com. Plenty more to come on the SpotTrip podcast. My thanks to Cousin Dan. Check out theathletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get your year-end subscription at 40% off. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrip podcast.